Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your biz and mindset coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Hi, Haley. We are so excited to have you on the Spiraling Higher podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome. This is like a fangirl moment for me because (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing this episode from my office. My Peloton's right in front of me. And every time I'm on the Peloton, I listen to this podcast. So I'm like, how is this happening? (laughs) Like on with you guys. Now you're getting the live show. Maybe you should hop on. PRP, you guys. I'm going to do the rest from the Peloton. Yeah. You guys hear me like panting. And this is honestly a fangirl moment for Gina and I because we've been watching and liking your videos. I mean, me at least two years. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. two, oh yes, like two years. Haley Hoffman Smith is the manifestation queen. Like she's the girl I am trying to embody. Like I want to be doing the kind of work she's doing. And so to hear that from you is just so funny because we're all just mirrors for each other. Mm. Wow. Wow. Already. <laughs> already having a moment. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Just before we started this conversation, we were actually asking Haley what her big three is. Will you share it with our listeners? Yes. So I'm a Leo sun, Sagittarius moon, and Sagittarius rising. So I'm a triple fire. And interesting story about this, too, is um, my mom's C-section was scheduled for 5 p.m., and that's when the moon was in Scorpio. Ooh. And they were like, she no. she had a coughing fit. Yeah. <laughs> she actually had a coughing fit. She couldn't stop coughing, which is weird. And so they were like, okay, we'll give you like a medication and just like have you wait for a second. So then they moved it to 530. And in that time, the moon moved from Scorpio to Sagittarius. Mm. And I feel like that was my first official act coming into the 3D realm. I was like, Mm-mm. I'm going to need to be a triple fire. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're like, yeah. Scorpio moon is not the vibe. Vibe, please. Yeah, Additional like 30 minutes. <laughs> I require a brief delay. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. It is so funny when I hear these kinds of stories from people about how the labor was either really elongated or shortened and how that really played into obviously their sign and how it would have changed dramatically if there had been, yeah, an extra 30 minutes. My mom's labor was 36 hours. And so oh I feel like my soul was like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. I was about to be a Pisces moon and they were like, nope, nope. I'm an <laughs> Aries so moon. Funny. Well, um, my daughter was, um, she came two weeks early. And so oh, wow. like, and I was induced into labor. And so I think about that as well. Um, I'll know more about her personality later. She's, she's turning eight actually tomorrow. Her birthday's the day after oh. Sam's. So we'll see how this plays out and what she could have been, but so cool. That's very interesting. Yeah. There's so yeah, much fire. And especially and maybe you guys can reflect for, for you, Sam, since you are, yeah, <laughs> I had a, like a moon change. But my Sagittarius moon is probably one of like the biggest pieces of who I am because I'm so optimistic. You are. I'm so into like, I read for hours every single morning. I'm always looking for like deeper truths about the universe. And I feel like that's so quintessential Sagittarius moon. So just interesting. Everything happens as it should. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And then actually, that's a great opportunity for us to ask you, you know, how did you start to tap into these spiritual teachings? I know that you're sharing a lot about Wayne Dyer, who I'm a huge fan of, but when did you actually start reading these things? When did these things start to really find you. How did you actually begin your spiritual journey? 
So my mom is pretty spiritual. So when I was growing up, she would always give me really great ways of looking at things. And I got into meditation and energy work my senior year of high school, actually. So I took this course in Denver. I was like the youngest there by a landslide. I was this little high schooler in with all these adults. (laughs) And I'm like learning how to ground my energy and like call my authentic energy back, like learning how to read things intuitively. And I really liked and enjoyed that. And then when I started college, I started at CU Boulder and I was really unhappy when I was there. I knew I wanted to transfer. Um, it just was not the place for me personally. And so kind of out of desperation, I was like, okay, there has to be something else that can help me through this. Mm-hmm. And that's when I watched The Secret for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's when I started doing affirmations, like listening to like YouTube audios as I fell asleep. And then I, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't like a diehard to begin with. It was just kind of something I played with a little bit where I'd make like vision boards. I'd write down things that I wanted, like affirmations and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say the big change for me came after I quit my job at a startup. So basically after I went to CU Boulder, I did transfer schools. To, I went transferred to Brown University for my junior and senior year. Loved it there. It was everything that I had like visualized, manifested and more. And then I took a job at a startup. And was liking it, but I really wanted to do my own thing. And when I quit to do my own thing, it was like, I thought it was going to be the most amazing thing ever. And I was promptly like blocked (laughs) completely. Like Mm -hmm. it was, oh my gosh. I quit to be a motivational speaker and I had been doing all these gigs, but when I quit, it was towards the end of the school year for colleges. So suddenly I couldn't book any more gigs because all the schools were like out for summer. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so it was kind of like out of that period, once again, of like desperation that I was like, okay, I got to like find some faith here. I have to find a way to move forward outside of like my own sheer will and determination and motivation. So that's when I got super into EFT tapping and working Mm -hmm. with a practitioner And that's how I started learning about the subconscious mind and how we manifest from the subconscious mind and how everything I was creating in my reality was a reflection of the limiting beliefs that I had. And as I started to clear those, reality started to change really quickly. And so once I had kind of like the scientific approach to manifestation, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like maybe all along, all these things I was so fascinated with from an energetic perspective are these things that resonated because they felt so magical. Like now there is a science behind Mm -hmm. it. And now I am like, living out the transformation that's happening as I conquer and release limiting beliefs from my subconscious and adopt new beliefs about myself. Mm, that's I huge. Love that. I had a very similar journey to you where I was, um, I think I felt a lot of these knowings in my body and in, in through emotions. Mm-hmm. And then like you starting to learn the names for them. You know, and just yes. like more of the scientific terminology, and it kind of helps to integrate it a little bit more. I'm curious to know what were some of those limiting beliefs that you had that you had to work through initially? Ooh, okay. I had some really funky ones around worthiness. So I know we're going to get more into this, but I, ever since I was a really little kid, I always wanted to do like acting, singing, and it was kind of in my perception. I was like, oh, everybody wants to do those things. Okay. So anyways, me being um, a Leo, being out there, I was always like looking for ways to perform and entertain. And I had some, you know, things happen throughout middle school and high school where I wasn't getting roles or I wasn't getting into the the plays. Um, I actually got a callback for Disney Channel when I was in fifth grade. Oh, my God. But then when we were pursuing it, um, the, like, agency attached to it, like, there were all these, like, weird things. And anyways, the, my perception of it at the time was, like, oh, I 
was good enough to get a call back, but I wasn't good enough to get like the role. Mm-hmm. And other funky things happened around that happening in a fifth grade too, because I was the only kid in Colorado to get a call back. And I remember I called one of my friends at the time, again, I'm in fifth grade and I told him about it. And I, he was like, I don't know how to act around you now. And so there's this interesting thing that happened in my brain looking back and I'm like, whoa, I have this perception. Like when you start to succeed or when your dreams come true, people don't know how to act around you anymore. People aren't happy for you. Yeah. So these funky things had come in that were mostly subconscious. I wasn't like self-aware enough (laughs) when I was in fifth grade to piece them together, but it all kind of culminated to this point where I was like, you know, trying to take this brave leap to go after my dreams of like being a performer and entertainer and, Um, was like really coming up against worthiness stuff, fear of being seen and like what people would think of me Mm -hmm. as I gained more exposure and more visibility. And then there were a lot of really funky like money beliefs in there too. Mm -hmm. Um, Money blocks was like a a huge thing for me that I had to release around like, is it safe to make a certain amount of money? Like what does it mean about you if you're making a certain, like a lot of upper Mm -hmm. limit stuff to release and also a lot of like deeply held scarcity beliefs that I had to release in order to have success as an entrepreneur. Mm. Yeah. It was a conglomeration. <laughs> we all have. Totally. Beliefs, but yeah. And those are so huge that you're able to identify now that, oh, this childhood experience that happened or these things that I heard after these experience, experiences occurred to me, I made that mean X. Right. And like you said, this is happening on a subconscious level. I'm not self-aware enough. And so that's what happens in childhood. We don't even question what that means. We're like, oh, so becoming more successful or being seen equals people don't want to be my friend. And then we don't question it for like years and years and years until we begin to see results in the reality that we don't like. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of curious to know, when did you actually realize, oh, this is what's stopping me, right? Because for a long time, we're going to actually blame things on the outside for what's happening Mm -hmm. to us, right? And that's when we're still powerless to change our reality. So when did you have that moment of realization where you're like, oh, this is my limiting belief that's stopping me. Like I'm stopping me. Nothing's out there stopping me from becoming a singer, becoming a performer. It's it's me. When did you have that realization? Well, it took a long time for sure. And I was working with, I still am to this day with my EFT practitioner. And she has a lot of really juicy questions for during session mm. to guide us to like what the subconscious is afraid of. And my first ever session with her was addressing procrastination because I was getting to a place where I was so discouraged that I just was not working on my dreams anymore at all or anything for that matter, my business, et cetera. And she was like, okay, well, what bad thing happens if you you know, like clear the procrastination and you actually get stuff done. And all of these fears started to come out. Mm. It was like, oh, what this person will think of me and what this person will think. And maybe I'm not like not worthy or that, you know, it won't happen anyways. And it was like, oh, okay, here's the juicy stuff. And then let's connect each of these things that I'm seeing to a past memory, Mm. which is serving as the evidence in my subconscious mind for this belief. Mm -hmm. And then now let's clear it by the root because in EFT tapping, you're, we're releasing the emotion associated with certain memories and core beliefs yes. so that we're returning to the truth about it. What I really love yes. about it is it feels like I'm releasing discouragement to come back to what I know in the natural state of being of like, no, I am an infinite being. I am completely worthy. I can have anything I want. So I, you know, got to come back to that. And so little by little, as we're like chipping away at all those things, and then my external reality started to reflect those changes very quickly and new opportunities started to come in. I started posting on TikTok and gaining an audience. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to move to New York City because my business started to do so well. I was like, whoa, okay. Like we're talking about science here. Like I clear a block. And then because the block is not there no more, 
I see in my reality a major shift. And I was like, man, this is like really satisfying. This is really encouraging. Like this is a really beautiful evolution process. And so it was that clear. Like I had to have a very clear, I release this and now this comes in in order for me to see it. Because I think beforehand, even though I've always been really spiritual, it was fun to talk about like, oh yeah, manifest your reality. But I didn't have enough faith in that process until I started to do the subconscious work and see the results again and again and again, where I now I'm like, okay, now I completely understand that it's what you believe about yourself and the limiting beliefs or lack thereof that you're carrying around that dictate your reality. Uh, so it took a lot of like the excavation, deep ad- identification work, and then the healing and the evidence from the healing. Mm-hmm. You do mm-hmm. have to kind of build up those. It's, it's like any relationship. You have to build up the trust. Right. And that belief that this is going to happen, that it can work and that you do have the ability and the power to co-create. Because like you said, the words sound really nice. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like sounds cool. I can attract anything I want. But, you know, you, you talked a lot about how when you remove the block, then you're like, now I can see what's happening. But I think what trips people up is that they remove the block or they think they remove the block. And then there's an expectation block. Right. Mm -hmm. You remove the block and now you have an expectation where, okay, now I'm going to get the thing. And sometimes that just creates a whole other block. So how do you deal with expectation from the lens of not because sometimes that comes with impatience and that I really want this to happen now that kind of repels whatever we're trying to manifest. So did you have struggles with that? And if you did, how did you move through that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll say what's coming to mind for me, because like during the phase of my biggest growth um, in terms of like things I was manifesting really quickly was when I started growing on TikTok because like all I had wanted my entire life was to be able to like teach, educate, inspire, entertain, all of the above. And so as my audience started to grow, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all the things I've always wanted to do. Um, But also as my audience was starting to grow, I was not only having to confront, of course, like the fears and blocks that were originally keeping that from my experience, i.e. fear of being seen and worthiness, but I had to learn very quickly how to release pressure around what I was posting Mm -hmm. and the results I wanted to see, Mm -hmm. which was really hard at that time. Like, I mean, it could ruin my day previously. Oh, yeah. I was really proud of a video and it wouldn't go anywhere. Like I remember I had to delete TikTok off my phone one day because I was like completely stuck. Like the algorithm was up to something, but can't blame it on anything outside. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's not the algorithm that was up to something, boss. I thought just was up to something. But I had to get to this place where I operate from an energy of obviously neutrality, but I think like that can seem like an abstract concept to a lot of us, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. rather from a place of play where I fell genuinely in love with the content. And now I've been creating content for so long that even in like my own self-awareness and self-reflection, I look back on that time. This was like late 2020 when I was growing so quickly. And I remember how it felt every single day to stand in front of the camera and how I was genuinely so excited to create content. Mm -hmm. Like I had the time of my life creating content. And that's something I'm always trying to guide myself back to because at Admittedly, now that I have grown a large audience, my business is predicated upon that. Sometimes it's like, oh man, gotta post again today because you gotta keep the algorithm happy or post every day or whatever it is. But I remember, I mean, it was an oscillation during that time of like playing things out um, energetically and understanding what works and what didn't. But it was always the times that I was genuinely just so happy and excited to be sharing content Mm -hmm. and sharing information and sharing new perspectives that the videos just did so, so, so well. Like I would have posted it if one person watched, you know, like that would have been enough for me because it was so much joy in the process. And then I also noticed when I would post kind of like 
ooh, I want to post this because I'm so close to 100K and I want to get to 100K or I want to post this because I could use like an uptick and validation or whatever. It wouldn't have the same effect. And so kind of like going back to the science of it, I was noticing like, wow, in my energy is like, I need, 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 need or like expectation energy is not working. But like if I'm doing it for fun and I'm not expecting it because I'm loving it, I'm having completely different results. Mm -hmm. So that's where like energy management comes in so much. And I've I've had to get really good at um, like embodying the energy of it and not needing it. Like how would it feel in my body right now if I had a video going viral? How would it feel in my body right now if that opportunity I've really been wanting already came to fruition? And can I live in that space and carry that energy forward even without it in my 3D reality. And I think a powerful example of this is in November of that year, November of 2020, um, first of all, to back up, like my main career goal had been being a talk show host. Like that's how I thought I could like combine everything I wanted to do. So Mm -hmm. when I moved to New York City, I was like, okay, I really want to be like, I want to be on a TV show. I want to be a talk show host. I had a moment in November of 2020 where I realized I was like, you know what? I will always kind of want that, you know, like if somebody offered that to me, I'd be like, okay, and like excited about it. But I had a moment where I was like, I don't need that anymore, nor do I want it with the same intensity I Mm. used to because I'm already doing it. Like I'm showing up on camera every single day and sharing myself. And it was such a big light bulb moment. And I felt this deep, deep, deep sense of peace. Like I'm good. Like I don't need that anymore. And literally that week is when my management company found me and I signed with my manager. And then that next year, I did end up doing a hosting segment for NBCLX. And it was cool. Like it didn't change my life. It wasn't like (laughs) my big grand dream. And then nothing was ever the same after. But I remember that sense of deep peace and that shift and all the ways it opened up doors in my career. Mm -hmm. And so now I always think about that. Like, how can I enter a place of peace where I'm not doing this anymore as a means to an end, but an end within itself? Yes. Mm. Oh, I mean, you've really cracked the code. I mean, you have really reflected back to us so many of the the great teachings, right? Feeling is the secret. Neville Goddard saying, live in the end, right? How can I Mm -hmm. live in the energy of the thing that I want now without believing that in some illusory future, right? The illusion of time, right? Believing that it's somewhere else. It's another time that's not here where I'm going to experience that. That's how we continue to energetically push things away. Yeah. Right. And so I love that you actually also talked about not seeing this from a place of neutrality. Like, I don't care because I think that really rubs people the wrong way. They're like, what? So I just stopped Mm -hmm. caring about my manifestations. But you actually introduced playfulness, which Mm -hmm. is something I talk about a lot with my clients about how, no, we don't actually stop caring about these things. We still do them, but we do them from the energy of love, not for love. Yes. Right. And so when mm-hmm. children are playing or like, you know, you're doing that funny talk show host thing as a kid, you're playing and putting on shows and putting on costumes. You're not doing that for validation right yet. Mm-hmm. You're just doing it because it's fun. You're playing dress up. You're being yourself. You're being goofy. And it's not about what you get from it. It's just fun to do it. And mm-hmm. so I think that is really the secret is figuring out what do I love to what do I love that I get to do and get away from the energy of, oh, I have to, oh, I have to become a talk show host or I have to post, right? And that's actually a really common theme that Gina and I spiral through as well. Like as we begin to follow the heart and manifest things that are from our highest excitement, that ego voice will totally come in and try to control the process, right? Like, oh, now I have to post or like now I have to do this. And it's like, wait, no, I don't. Or like, 
it just, it starts to get attached again. And so I'm curious to know, like, how do you begin to notice when your attachment, when your ego comes back into play? And how are you living in relation with it? Because a lot of people are still trying to kill the ego, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, how do I get rid of this ego? And we're like, no, you don't kill the ego, right? You you develop a relationship with it. So I'm curious to know what your relationship is like with that ego, with that attachment, and how you play with it in a loving way so that it doesn't get in the way, but it feels like it's cared for by you. Yeah. I think for me, inserting awareness around the ego and letting it be almost like an indicator for me of the things Mm -hmm. I really want, because I've always been a very ambitious and motivated person. Um, And ever since I like had that shift and I became really motivated, I noticed that like something that fueled me was like, I've never been competitive, but kind of like setting a goal and being like, I want to run up the mountain and get there. And that there's actually been a lot of joy in that process. And so when I notice, like, wow, I have an ambition coming on really strong. This is something I really want. And therefore let me like ego figure it out. How am I going to get there? How can I like hustle, hustle, hustle towards it? I'm like, hold on a second, Haley, let's take a step back. Like, this is really amazing that we're aware that there's some desire that's carrying us forward here. Mm -hmm. But maybe the desire isn't from the ego. And obviously I've needed to get checked on that on certain things. I think like I've definitely been ego driven in the past with wanting accomplishments or recognition in order to validate myself, Mm -hmm. but I've had to do a ton of worthiness work. And I really genuinely feel like I'm at a place now where I'm like, I'm good. Like I don't need to like flash my accomplishments or anything. I don't need to show them like how much money I've made, where I went to school, my car, like whatever. I've really like scaled that back. Um, And instead it's been like a is this really my ego talking when I want things or is it my connection with source compelling me to the next level? Mm -hmm. And is this desire like God given and rooted in how I am serving the world and living out my full potential? And if so, why do I have to be so in my head about it in terms of the ego? Like this is what I have to do. And then I've got to hustle harder. And here's a strategy. Like, because if it comes from my soul and I'm connected to source and I'm being guided and it feels like such like a compulsion, then maybe in the right time, I'm going to get the right ideas and the right inspired action to act upon it. So I can let go of like the rat race of it and being hard on myself about it and being like, I'm not there yet. And letting it consume me the way that I used to. And instead just be like, let me see how inspiration comes to me today. Because that's always how I've gotten like my most successful ideas that have come through my most viral videos, the ways that I've been able to help people the most. It's never been from me being like, oh my, must make more money, must like get more followers instead being like, wow, you know what? It's so fun to show up and do the things I've always wanted to do. I'm really loving this. And then I'll just get like a little hit of an idea and then I'll be like, that's it. That's what I'm running after. That's like, you know, the content will just come to me. It'll roll off my tongue and letting it be a really like divine process that comes from the soul um, for the sake of serving. I will like yes. emphasize that as opposed to serving myself or for my own personal gain. Mm, yeah, I think discernment is so important. And I think in the beginning of the journey, discerning is so hard because you don't really, you haven't really played around with the the ego voice, the spirit voice, the soul voice. And so I think the more you go on the journey now, I'm so clear on which one is me and which one yes. is just the story or the ego or the fear. Because my thing, I have a very similar journey to you because I was also very into music and was pursuing singing for a long time. And so I was just constantly chasing that validation over and over. Um, and then I, because I was so fearful of the validation and fearful of being seen, I define that as then this just must not be for me. Mm, I thought if I meant to do this, then it would be easy. 
right? Then I would just be able to do it and it would be fine. And that's why I love these conversations because people need to know that especially for people like you guys who have gone viral and you're making these videos all the time, that you also have challenges doing that. Because for someone like me, like, you know, being friends with Sam, she's such a natural performer that I'm like, she never struggles. But learning, you know, knowing her as well as I do, I'm like, no, she she totally does. And I think that that just helps us to feel less like it means that we shouldn't do it and more that this is just what happens when you're doing something that you really love. Right? That fear is going to come up. Yes. And it's not about like getting rid of the fear, but working with it and getting used to it. Like so much of what I do now, I've had so much practice. I'm sure you guys can yeah. both like attest to the same. Like I have just shown up for it constantly. And at the beginning of that meant I was showing up with a lot of fear. And even though now you could look at one of my videos and be like, oh, it's so natural for her. She seems so confident. Like I have hit it from every angle, practice, practice, <laughs> practice, like shown up so many times that now it feels natural and good to me. But even then I still have fears. I have fears around getting to my next level. I have, you know, different like fears and upper limits that have arisen as I've like mm-hmm. continued to grow. Um, but the practice piece I really want to drive home because nobody is like born being good at any of these things. No. And I have so many cringy old videos <laughs> where I was like shaking and didn't know what I was saying. And I'm like, who is that? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. But if you love something enough, you just, you keep showing up and, um, and doing it even in spite of the fear and like learning, like teaching yourself, like I'm okay. Hey listeners, quickly interrupting this episode to say that if you're loving this conscious conversation, we're inviting you to join the dialogue with us inside of our free Spiraling Higher community. It's our favorite place on earth and it's where you can meet like-minded souls on their healing journey and discuss what you're spiraling through with your conscious besties. It's where we continue this conversation long after the episode ends because as we all know, healing is an upward spiral. So join the conversation, share with us your insights, questions, and breakthroughs. We're here for it all. You can join by creating a free account by clicking the link at the top of the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. I love the um, the fun piece because something that really helped me when I was first making videos or honestly anything was I tell myself it's a school project. Aww. And I just asked myself if this was a school project and my my school project was to create videos about manifestation or about healing, what would that look like? And there's something about that for me when it feels like a school project that it just takes the pressure off when I get to kind of play in it versus, okay, make a video that everyone's going to think is really powerful and people are going to be moved by it. And then you're just getting stuck on trying to make this perfect video versus in school, you're meant to be learning. You're supposed to kind of make mistakes there. And I think when we approach our businesses and our life and our creativity from that lens of you're supposed to kind of fumble and play and figure things out and make mistakes, and that's part of the journey, uh, I think that has really shifted for me. Yeah, or like extra credit. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yes. That's actually how we addressed um, or how we approached the podcast. We were like, let's just treat it like it's like extra credit. Kind of like, if it does well, great. If it doesn't, then whatever. Like, we already have a great score and everything else in life. (laughs) This is just extra extra brownie points. But something I want to circle back to that is really important in manifesting and creating really powerful results is something you mentioned earlier about how how can I be um, connected with service? Because I think Mm -hmm. that when we try to do things, and like you said, it's just for me. It's like a selfish, like egoic, I'm valid dating me, it's almost like the universe is playing this sick joke on us and is like, no, no, like you don't, you don't get to have that when it's for you. Mm -hmm. And when it's actually for other people, like for example, creating content, for example, it's like, 
When I go to create content, I'm not trying to create content so that I look cool and smart and so that people like me. It's more like, what message do I want to impart? What sort of helpful mental reframe has been helping me that could help other people? And I swear, those are the videos that always do the best because sources like, yes, your intention was in the right place to help other people. But as soon as I go to try to make a video and I'm like, oh, like I need to post something and like I'm hoping that like this video like does well, but I'm kind of coming from like a me perspective, it always flops. And I I, I really yeah. just have to laugh at that because I'm like, oh, that's just a sign that <laughs> I got in my own way. My ego started to try to take over in the driver's seat. And so it has been this like playful sort of experience where I'm like, oh, my ego wanted to make that video versus my yeah. soul wanted to make that video mm. or the my guys wanted to come through me and send that message because whenever that happens, I know that I'm, I can be completely detached because it's not about me anymore. It's more like whoever this helps, whoever sees this, amazing, but like I'm good. And then when I come from the I'm not good and I'm trying to do something to get good, that's when it always just blows up in my face. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people are trying to manifest things for themselves, right? I want more money so that I can feel safe. I want a partner so that I can feel this way rather than thinking about what is the thing that I want to help humanity with and then seeing Mm -hmm. that that's the thing that's valuable that eventually gets exchanged or traded for money, not like, oh, I get money so that like I can feel okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's, I've just read so many times in different books and I... I'm not Christian or identify with Christianity, but my EFT practitioner is, and she sent me a Bible verse that essentially said this. I don't know which verse it was, but the general gist was like, if you want to be blessed, you must first bless others. Mm. I.e. like you want to make money. It matters what you're giving to others. And I think about a lot of like, I've grown a lot financially the past several years, which has obviously been, I've been very, very grateful for. Um, But I think about like the behind the scenes of like, I've showed up every single day just wanting to serve and help people. And there's ways we don't even see that we're helping people. Like, for example, I follow a lot of people and I never tell them how much they help me. I honestly should. But like, if somebody is like way more of a celebrity than me, I'm like, they're never going to read my DM. So I don't let them know. Um, But then sometimes, you know, I'll get messages from like silent followers who kind of the same thing. They're like, I've never told you this before, but it's because of you that I've done like X, Y, Z or this helped me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And something that comes to my head is like, wow, like as I've been growing in leaps and bounds, um, like financially, it's probably because the energy that I've been putting out has has literally been to serve. And so that's just been a consideration. Like if I was in it just for the profit, that would have looked really different. But I think there's blessings that happen behind the scenes that we don't fully see. Um, and when, when you are in a season of a lot of receiving, which ideally should be like all the time when we're in like true, true, um, alignment and allowance, it's usually because you've been putting out so much good energy to give and serve to others that now the universe can return it back to you. Because like we were saying towards the beginning, like it's all a mirror. So it's like, how much are you willing to give to others? How much are you willing to serve? Not by the way, not for the sake of receiving, yes. not for anyone to listen to this and be like, perfect, now I know what to do <laughs> yeah. so I can make a million dollars this year. <laughs> but rather like I am serving with my heart because I truly, truly love to serve. And then when the blessings arrive, it's like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense <laughs> because of energetic law. Yeah, that actually just reminded me of even being a mom, right? Like I'm not putting all of this time and energy into my daughter so that I'm going to get a return on investment. <laughs> 
of time when totally. she's older, right? I am just loving on her unconditionally because it feels good to me to do that. And I think that's really, really hard for people who really desire something that they want. Yes, you can serve, for example, in a business, if you're like, okay, I just want to serve, I want to serve. It's such a nuanced um, I guess, emotion to want to serve without that expectation because there are people, even in the abundance workshop that we just hosted, they're like, I've done the work. I feel like I'm giving, but I'm still not getting the clients. And so it kind of just keeps you a bit in this cycle. So yeah, like, do you have any other tips on how can you remain in positive expectation of knowing that, yes, I know that energetically the universe will start to reflect things back to me, but it's so hard to not be in that vibration of like waiting for, okay, I'm now I'm going to get that thing. You know, like it, it's so hard because even for posting, you could just post and just do it because you love it. But at some point, there's that tipping point where you're like, okay, universe, like I've been doing the thing. Like, <laughs> where is it? When is it going to happen? And then that's the moment I feel is when you need the most faith. That's when you really need to really recalibrate and really stay in that rooted energy. But it's so, so hard. I'll say that I think this comes back to subconscious blocks mm-hmm. because I believe in what I've learned and um, experienced in my life is that to the extent to which you're not experiencing something is oftentimes the extent to which you're blocking it. Mm. And so sometimes there can be something where it's like, oh, you know, I heard that if you start to do this, you'll get this in return or whatever. And then so then you start to do that thing. But there's like a, d- a piece of doubt or maybe there's a limiting belief like well, yeah, that works for other people. It doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Like, right? There's like a little seed of doubt of like, well, I'm unlucky or I didn't do enough or for whatever reason or a fear of like, if that's true and therefore I am going to start, you know, bringing in the success. Like there could be a, fe- there's a fear of success. Like mm-hmm. Gay Hendricks book, uh, The Big Leap is one of my favorite books of all time. He talks about the concept of the upper limit problem and yeah. how it can feel really scary and dangerous to our subconscious when we achieve at a higher rate than ever and when we're bringing in more than ever. And so, I think it's like, I'm still, I mean, I don't have an exact percentage here, but I think it's like a meeting of being guided by the universe, like learning things energetically, but then also our subconscious minds and our subconscious minds are really just like, that's energy too, right? Yeah. It's like yes. an inner, a subconscious block. You can think of it too as like an energetic block in your space because of an emotion. Mm-hmm. And so if you're doing all the things that are resonating with you, that you're being taught, like you hear about something and then you try it and it's still not working, still not working, still not working. My question would be, okay, well on a deeper level, like, is there any part of you that feels like you don't deserve this? Mm. Is there any part of this that's reminding you of something from your past where you did not get something that everyone else got or where you felt singled out or where you didn't feel smart enough? Or if that's not, I mean, sometimes there's like a little bit of that or, okay, imagine that we wave a magic wand and all of a sudden it all does start coming in. What's the fear? Mm, And usually it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna be able to handle it. People Mm -hmm. are not going to be rooting for me anymore. I'm not gonna be able to identify with my family or friends anymore. Like there's so many fears that we don't often acknowledge because they're scary and hard to look at, but we kind of have to bring them out to the light of day in order to address mm-hmm. <laughs> and then clear and release them and bring in a new, um, more in alignment belief system. And by in alignment, I mean in alignment with the truth of our being, which is we're always guided, we're always safe, and we're deserving of everything that we want more. 100%. So good. I love that you were talking about awareness there because I tell my clients all the time, it's like the work we're doing is turning the lights on in the room. It's like we're mm-hmm. in a really dark room. There's a ton of boxes everywhere and it's like really crowded and just cluttered. And we're turning the lights on first to see what's in here. 
Like what what yeah. needs to be removed? And that's often the hardest part is bringing people into awareness. Once we have the lights on, right? Like you said, bringing awareness, bringing light to this. Now we can actually discern with hopefully some love and some compassion. Like, oh, like there's this belief here. And like, what happens if I move this out? And like you were saying earlier, oh, when I remove that block, something comes in. Just like if I were to physically move boxes out of my house or my storage room, now I have more space to put new things. Now mm-hmm. that I have the lights on, I can actually determine like, do I like that lamp, right? Or do I want to switch it out for something else. And um, yeah, that upper limit problem is such a huge thing that people don't realize because it is it is subconscious. I remember um, both Gina and I had some limiting beliefs about kind of getting to the next level. I remember, Gina, you had a belief that was like, it's lonely at the top. Mm. Kind of mm. like, Classic. yeah, yeah, it's lonely at the top. <laughs> and then I had one that was basically like more money, more problems. And it wasn't that consciously, <laughs> yeah. but I had the I had the desire consciously to have more money. But in my body, it was like, but if I have more money, then I pay more taxes and then I don't know what to do. And then I might like lose the money. It was like all of that stuff. And I had no idea until I actually started tapping that that was there because I was like, I don't get it. I want more money and I'm like writing down my affirmations. I'm like trying to embody this rich energy. My body was like, no, like that's terrifying. Like if you have money, like you're going to, you're basically going to lose it. And I thought basically my subconscious was afraid that I was going to punish myself for losing it. So it was like, we'll just, we'll just keep you from it. And then you don't have to even deal with that. It's kind of like, it's almost like it's getting out ahead of it. It's super protective. It's like five steps ahead of me. It's like, oh my gosh, you're so afraid of that. Don't worry. We'll just make sure you never get it. (laughs) (laughs) We're on it. You can sleep well at night. Yeah. Yeah. I love the part where you said about the the light in the room because something that I say in a lot of my tapping scripts, and I don't know where I got it, was like the monsters in the closet are just shadows. Mm. And you don't know that until you turn on the light. Like it's just your perception of things that there's a danger there. And it made me think too, like, obviously there's a lot of classic beliefs, like more money, more problems is like um, an archetypal belief, right? Right. There's also people who don't believe that. (laughs) And so when we take a step back and we're like, wow, this is just a belief that I've adopted because of evidence quotes, please. Yeah. Quotes um, from my life. But also, there are other people out there who do not believe this, and therefore it is not true for them. Mm-hmm. So really, it's just the belief that I'm holding that makes this true for me. Mm-hmm. But other people are experiencing other things simply because of their beliefs. Yeah. And so who's right? It's like, well, what's true for you is what you believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you continue to see. Yes. And then, yeah, because what we know about the reticular activating system and it's always reflected back. And so the belief work is so powerful. And I love that you tap as well. And you see how like EFT can help you release because it releases the emotion behind the negative evidence. So you can come back to the truth of things. And once you start to introduce a new thought and build out that new neural pathway, things start to change. And it's so powerful to look back and be like, wow, that's so funny. I used to believe X. And now my life is so different because I've released that belief and I've seen it from different angles. So even like the monsters in the closet are just shadows when we're able to bring awareness and talk about our fears and like work, work with them out loud, whether we're working with an EFT practitioner or like I do group tapping sessions or you and I are talking about it. It's like, oh, well, let's hit this from other angles. Like, oh, you believe this? Oh, that's interesting that you believe that. Let me give you another way of looking at it. And Mm -hmm. now let's really like, you can't, you can't do anything with it when it's up in your head. You have to like allow it to see the light of day and mm-hmm. speak with others who can give you other ways to look at it because we all have 
many of us have experiences that can help to negate other people's beliefs where it's like, that's a funky belief because I actually know somebody who made more money and therefore they were able to start this amazing foundation and they Mm -hmm. travel to the Mykonos every summer, like like new ways of looking at it that the brain's like, oh, oh, well, I hadn't heard that information before. (laughs) This changes things. (laughs) Well, it reminds me of the way that we see ourselves, like even just on a physical basis, how someone else would be like, oh my gosh, you look really pretty today. I'm like, wow. Like I just like rolled out of bed today or, you know, just even like your physical size, like so many of us just have like body dysmorphia where you're like, what? Like, that's not, I don't look fit. Like you look fit. And we're just kind of seeing ourselves in such a distorted view. But Sam could see me thinking that she thinks I look amazing. Another person might be like, wow, that girl has like no muscle tone at all. Or everybody Mm. has a different perspective of everything. But that reminds me of just how many self-identities I have had in my life. Mm -hmm. Because on one hand, you can know for certain that, yes, I am meant for this. This is my gift. But at the very same time, you can have this limiting belief like, I'm never going to do that and I suck and no one's going to see this value in me. And so I think the challenge for a lot of people is they have these coexisting identities that are conflicting. And the one that tends to be louder is the one that's more fear-based. But then you start to kind of do the work where the fear-based ones starts to get quieter and then you're building up the new identity of who you really, really are. And I think that's when things can really start happening. Um, So I'd love to hear from you about that self-identity thing and how, I guess, what that transition was like for you. And do you still deal with all those multiple identities or are you very much rooted in, you know, your higher self or whatever you want to call it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that like, we're never going to get to a place where we're totally healed in our higher self and we've reached like transcendental way of living. Mm -hmm. But what comes to mind as you bring that up is my own journey with music. So Mm -hmm. when I was in high school, I became a singer songwriter. I actually recorded an album uh, when I was 14 years old called Where the Trees Sing. (laughs) So (laughs) So funny. And like performed at the children's hospital and like, I really loved it. I really wanted to go after it. And then you know, things, ha- I got rejected from choirs and like nothing ever happened with my CD. It didn't take me to the Grand Heights up there with um, Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift like <laughs> I thought. So I had to rethink some things. <laughs> Anyways, it became such like a deeply stored, discarded childhood dream. Yeah. And anyways, a series of events started to unfold um, in 2021 where basically a friend heard me singing in the car and was like, oh my gosh, you should really post yourself singing. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't really know about that. Anyways, she bribed me with an anthropology candle. It was really (laughs) sweet of her. So I did post a video of me singing on my Instagram story. And I remember some people were like, oh my gosh, wow, you have a really beautiful voice. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So that's like a little bit of encouragement. And then it's almost like when you set out a new intention to the universe, the universe will rise to meet you. And so Mm. I actually, well, I did do an EFT session on it. I did an EFT session on feeling like I wanted to get back into like singing and and being an entertainer without always having to just be so like educational, just Mm -hmm. like sharing my personality too. And the day of that EFT session, like a few hours later, I got a text from one of my friends who said, Hey, I know that like you used to play guitar. It was like the weirdest text. And he was like, but, um, I have a friend who does music at this bar and he's looking for singers to do it with him. Like if you'd want to sing. And I was like, what does that mean about me playing guitar? Like I had no idea what he was talking about. He was referencing like (laughs) one time I posted a song I wrote like years prior and I was playing my guitar as I was singing. And so I was like, okay, this feels kind of like a sign. Yeah, sure. I'll go sing at this bar with this guy. So 
I sang Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, Aww. and it happened to be on the day of the Sagittarius solar eclipse on December 4th, 2021, and my moon and my rising are in Sagittarius. And so um, one of my friends who's an astrologer knew I was going to sing on this day, and she's like, this is going to change your life, literally, like, this is a whole new, like, identity for you. And I'm like, yeah, I bet it will do a lot for my confidence. Like, I had no idea, like, what was going to come from it. But mm-hmm. basically once, I mean, I was terrified, but once I got up on stage and I sang, I had the time of my life. And I also mm. had a moment being up on stage singing where I realized I was good. <laughs> like, I don't, I think yeah. I repressed for a while and I was like, wow. Like, I feel like everyone's looking at me like, wow, she's good. And people were kind of like, wow, she's good. And then the last chorus, I told everyone to sing with me. And so this whole bar is singing thunder mm. only happens when it's raining. It was such a, like, a beautiful, powerful moment. And I was like, I want to do this. Like, how did I get away from this? This is like a huge part of who I am. So that Christmas, I asked my dad for a keyboard piano so I could get back into songwriting. <laughs> and um, I had a lot of resistance to opening up the piano and actually like building the little keyboard, but I did, I sat down and I wrote my first song called Worth the Flight, like literally just in that one sitting. Mm. And I was terrified to do it, but I just had this little voice, like I should post this on Instagram. So I posted it and it blew up and had like 300 comments of people being like, this is so amazing. You're so good. Please release this. And all this to say, it was the validation that I super needed but I had to do the inner work first. And yes. so finally my reality was reflecting like everything I needed to hear. But now what I know is that it wasn't like I was guided to that so that I could have the validation in order to be validated and do something. Like yeah. I had to reach a level of like peace and confidence within myself where I could share it and then have my identity like expressed back to me. Um, but it was because of that that I started to build up more and more courage to do mm-hmm. things such as share my music more often, write more songs, now go to the recording studio once a week and work with a producer and put out the music. And it's also, I've come up against limiting beliefs so many times in this process because I'm returning to an identity that is really close to who I truly am. But I wasn't showing up as her for so long. And the girl I was showing up as was the Ivy League honors girl who knew how to memorize every possible thing for a test and Mm -hmm. like show people with my resume that I was worthy. I did Mm. not know how to show up as the version of myself that was being vulnerable with really sad songs and singing in front of people. And it was so scary to return to that identity. And I had, I I continue to have to do work around it. Like that's, that is a work in progress for me. Like when it comes to my, my singing side, like I will push that away for a little bit because I'll feel a lot of like doubt and discouragement. Um, so it's, it, I hope to one day arrive in a place where I am like fully in, in alignment with my higher self around the identity piece of it, but identity and like being in the identity that you believe is yours, like requires so much inner confidence and it's, easier said than done. And Mm -hmm. I think I'm like proof and evidence of that. And it has been an unfolding journey to get there, but I've just had to have a lot of like patience and love with myself Mm. and know that I'm coming up against like deeply held, um, like rejections and hurts around it. And so it's not going to be something that like happens overnight, but that I'm still enjoying the journey anyways. Mm. I don't know if I answered the question because that was a whole, you did, you totally did. did. And you know, one of Gina and I's favorite sayings is the journey is the best part because everyone's trying to skip the journey and get to the arbitrary milestone. And we're like, no, this unfolding, this is your life. And, you know, so many, I'm sure people in your community and people in our community too, it's almost seems like 
as soon as they become aware of everything, they turn on the lights, right? They're like, oh my God, how do I get all this shit out of here, right? Yeah. But it's like, this is going to be a process. It took a long time to build up this clutter. Yeah. Like you've been storing stuff in here for like two decades and they want to change overnight instead of really falling in love with who they are now and understanding that the identity that they began to align with was not their fault. It wasn't conscious. It was, it mm -hmm. was fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's going to take some love and some safety and some space to be able to really unpack that and like come back to the self. But I'm so glad you shared this so authentically and vulnerably because it's so easy mm -hmm. for people to see you and think like, she's just mad confident and has no no fears. Like she's just completely and totally in love with herself. But no, this is a work in progress. And this is something that you are still consciously working on and addressing. And mm -hmm. the work really never ends. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. And I will also say like, that's something else I've been trying to be more vulnerable about because I also had this weird perception like, oh, because so many people follow me and are influenced by me, I can never be real. Like yeah. I can't, if I share that I'm feeling discouraged, does that mean that the work that I do doesn't work? Does that mean I'm a wow. fraud and the things I stand for? Like I've really had to come up against that and be like, Haley, like you're allowed to be a human who sometimes has hard days and sometimes isn't confident. That doesn't mean that like EFT doesn't work or that totally like, manifesting doesn't work or my coaching doesn't work. Like we're all humans on a, on a journey, right? Like there's going to, there's going to be peaks and valleys, 100%. but the contrast and the negative experiences or when things fall apart, like that is it working. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've been trying to tell people is like, that is working because it's only yeah. through the contrast that you then do the things that you wouldn't do if everything was fine, right? Wow, and so, so sometimes the universe has to shake things up because it isn't serving your highest good. You think it is from your tiny human brain, right, in that moment, but it's actually not serving your highest good. And sometimes we need to be kind of coaxed out of a very comfy kind of place and things need to be reflected that we just wouldn't see if we weren't going through a harder time. Like I, I joke about this all the time with Sam that the way that the universe talks to me is through money. And if money's not good, I'll listen. I'm like, okay, paying yeah. attention now, right? And so we all have, I guess, certain triggers. And um, one of my coaches always says, don't ever waste a good trigger, mm. which I love Ooh. because oh. I, I just have learned to just love contrast because I think that that serves me honestly almost more than when things are going well. And so, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. It's so funny how you said for you, like money is like that attention grabber. For yeah. me, it was always body image because of my relationship with ballet and my self-worth yeah. being all tied up in that. And you know, Gina, but even recently because I had a disc injury, I haven't been able to like exercise as frequently because my Cairo and masseuse and everyone's like, just, just stop moving. Like just wait <laughs> for it to like go back into place because I keep going back too soon. Mm. And I was feeling all of this anxiety, all this resistance. And I was like, what the heck? Like I was like, I thought I'd with this, but it was just another signpost, another messenger to be like, you still have some remaining limiting beliefs around like your body image and like what you're able to, whatever, like work away the calories or something. Cause I thought I dealt with all of that, but it was still there. There was still a remainder. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that contrast is asking me to look where I wouldn't look before. So once again, before I experienced the contrast, I'm like, it's all gone. Like I'm fine. Exactly. And then that comes up and I have to like dig a little deeper and I'm like, oh, you're still here. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's a work in progress, but I'm not angry with myself the way I used to be. I'm more yeah. like, oh, you're still here. It's kind of like, 
I got you. Not like, ew, get get the heck out of here. Like, stop, stop fucking up my life. Right? right? Which is what I used to think. I used to think that every negative emotion was like essentially ruining my life. It was like ruining my manifestation. I'm like, oh my God, my mm-hmm. vibes are off. But mm-hmm. like Gina said, this is actually the universe stepping in to be like, we want to get you back onto the right vibes. We want to get you back into alignment. And we can't do that until you look at what's causing this. Mm-hmm. And so that contrast is always the signal to do some inner work, right? Get mm. curious um, instead of, yeah, angry and shameful and guilty. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of the visual that was coming to mind as you guys were talking about this was the, once again, the room with the light. And mm-hmm. I was imagining like a big spotlight and it actually like moves to a different area of the room that maybe yes. you haven't looked at before when a turn yep. comes in. And so then it can be like, um, oh, amazing. I didn't even know I had this to clean up. And yep. that makes so much sense because X, Y, Z. And now that I clean this up because the trigger had to reveal it, now there can be like an up level on the other side of it. Like mm-hmm. we're digging a little bit deeper. We're excavating a little bit more so that I can soar even higher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at some point you'll be like, yeah, like all of us where you start to subconsciously install like, oh, triggers are good. Like this this yeah. is leading to a good thing. Not like, oh, fuck, I, I lost my shit again, right? Or like, I'm freaking out, right? I mean, Gina was like far ahead of me on this journey because she would be like, oh yeah, I'm excited to see what's on the other side of this. And I'm like, you're crazy. Like, <laughs> she was so excited every time she's like started getting insecure and upset. She's like, there's something here. This is good. This is rich. <laughs> I always oh, yeah. have a belief that the honestly, the deeper the pain or the harder it is, like the bigger the gift. And so I'm always like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is so hard and She's I can't wait. It. Yeah, I'm milking it. Um, because I think it's, it reminds me of like what you were saying, Sam, when you said, oh, like the it's still here. Like that version of me is still here. I kind of look at it as it kind of goes away, but comes back for visits. <laughs> you know, mm. it's kind of like knocking at your door being like, hi, like I need a little bit of attention right now. Um, and you're like, oh my gosh, come on in. Let me show you how I'm going to greet you now. And it's very different than how I used to greet you. I kind of look at it mm. like that. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, because then you can even think about that too as like past versions of yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if we get trippy with it and we're like, well, all time is happening at once. Mm-hmm. That means like our 11 year old self, our 16 year old self, like all of them, like they're all still here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, this is kind of like parts work where you imagine yes. that part of yourself stands out and like says something. Yeah, it's like the path back to wholeness. Like if there's a part of your past self that's been triggered by something, like it's yourself from back in middle school with something that happened instead of being like, shut up. I hate it when you speak up. (laughs) Yes. So sorry. Come back in. Let's do a group hug. Like it's going to be okay. I'm so sorry that like you experienced this. A hundred percent. It's very powerful. I love that you mentioned parts work because I started that last year. And yeah, I basically went to be like, can you get rid of these parts? Like they're really disruptive, (laughs) right? And (laughs) Being able to see that they're really just like fractured parts of myself that almost like, have you seen the movie Soul? Yes, my favorite oh. movie ever. I have ever. Um, I'm my first retreat in a few weeks. And the first night, we're literally watching the movie Soul. I was like, oh my gosh, we were going to do that. Like, we were going to do that. Too. Remember, Gina really? was like, should we watch Soul? And she was like, well, let's see if we have time. But that's so, that's so synchronistic. So we awesome. love this is that like movie. an opening night moment. Like, this is like before we get <laughs> mandatory. We're watching Soul. Yeah. I don't care if you've also seen it 16 times. Like, we are watching it again. <laughs> well, you'll get a new nugget every time you watch it, right? Because mm-hmm. you're constantly so expanding 
understanding and your consciousness. But it really reminds me of that scene. I don't want to give a lot away, but there's that scene where the little energy is like in, the, in its darkness and it's like hiding and it's like so mm. scared. And then that one being has to kind of go through like the tornado of darkness to find it and literally just bring love to it and just accept yeah. it. And then it completely melts and dissolves. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's so interesting because when we talk to clients, we actually recently hosted an, an abundance workshop and we did a meditation, a breathwork session at the end. And someone was saying about how they saw their inner child and how like how scared she was and how she was like kind of turned oh. away. And it's like, it's weird. It's like that part of us is always like kind of hiding and like looking for love and feeling shame. And so of course, when we get upset with that part, like, oh, like, why are you acting like this? Like, why are you showing up in this way? it's of course going to feel terrible and just hide and be unable to open up and feel safe and be reintegrated. And so, you know, really on this journey, it's, it's the most cheesy thing, but it's like whatever you are hating, like bring love to it because mm -hmm. that's what it needs from you. Mm, it's so hard though, because I think so many of us just don't want that part, right? It's like, oh, like I don't want to have these nerves. Like, why are they still here? I don't want to, I don't want to be so scared. I just want to be seen. And we're just constantly rushing ourselves. Like there's an urgency to get rid of it, you know? And I just always think about that as a child. Like if you were to do that to a baby, if the baby was crying, you're like, oh my God, get away. Like you're so annoying. I don't want you. Just they're just gonna keep shrinking, right? So we've really taught our inner children. You can't act like that. I don't yeah. I don't like it when you get like that. And so of course, it's just going to keep growing and again going to keep going into a darker and darker yeah. kind of room. And so when we do start to love on it at first, it's really hard. I remember I think it was Kyle Cease that said like can you love that? And I was like, no. no. <laughs> I don't want to love that part of me. I don't even want it. And he kept telling me you have to just be okay with it being here. It gets to be here. And I kept resisting against that because I was like, no, but I don't, I don't want it here. But it was honestly in the allowance of it being here and just saying, I love you, even if you are here. And even if that means I don't ever get up on stage, can that be okay too? And I'm actually at the place where that is fine. You know, where we can really unconditionally love ourselves, I think is when those parts feel safe to come out because it's been so conditioned to you hating it. For so long. Yeah. yeah. Well, you think about like if a if a kid was scared to go on stage and you're like, that's so stupid that you're so nervous, you ruin everything. Like, yes. okay, versus being like, I'm so sorry you're feeling so nervous, but I, you know what, I bet it's gonna actually gonna be really fun. Mm -hmm. I'm right here for you. I support whatever you want to do. Like, which ver which storyline do you think we have the kid more excited to go up on the stage or like more 100%. willing to go up? Yeah. If you're like yelling at them, they're just gonna be like, I'm not going up there at all. Now I'm crying even harder. Yeah, totally. totally. And I can't help but mention how like, you know, everything in the outer world is a reflection of the inner. And so the way we talk to our inner children, that gets mirrored in the relationship between parent and child, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I know for a fact that I was shamed for feeling my big emotions because my parents probably shamed themselves for having those big emotions. And so then they're seeing it on the outside. And they're like, nope, not that. And so we really are having to heal on the inside, right? Those relationships with those parts of us so that we actually don't project that onto other people too, right? Like if mm. I can't accept my sadness, how can I hold space for you in your sadness, right? If that makes me uncomfortable, then I'm going to have to shut you down as well. And so mm. our outer world completely and totally heals when we can be with us on the inside. Mm. Absolutely. And I also think seeing the outside world as an indicator, like for example, if you have a friend who 
is going through something and they're having an emotional response that you might look at and be like, oh my gosh, you're overreacting or mm. I don't know what to do with your anxiety about this or whatever. Like you might have those thoughts, even if you're being really patient and a good friend, that's like a, oh, interesting where I'm negating, you know, my friend's emotions, even though I really love them, that must be a reflection of a way in which I've been negating my own emotions around something. And how have I not given yeah. myself enough compassion uh, around the anxiety that I've been feeling about certain things or the sadness that I've been feeling about certain things. And so it's really powerful how like when you allow the mirror to reveal to you what you've not been looking at, like it, it takes a level of self-awareness, of course. And there's, mm-hmm. I think we're all like, there's deeper self-awareness that I don't think, even though the three of us have been like devoted to self-awareness for a long time, like I'm sure it goes way deeper. Like we're probably scratching the surface. I imagine sometimes like our angel guides are like, okay, yeah, they're getting somewhere with this, but they have no idea. Like (laughs) what else? Like their reality is always revealing back to them, but like taking those, those cues and those indicators through our relationships with others and our relationship with the outside world. That's interesting because I feel like it's usually easier to have compassion for other people though. You know, like I can easily see other people's gifts so clearly. I'm like, oh, yeah, like you're good and you're fine and you yeah. you get to be sad. And I, I see that. But I, I always found it a lot harder. It was just for myself. I was just not mm. used to that. And also even receiving because going back to the self-identity, if I don't think I'm good at something, no amount of validation will make me nope. feel good. And I think that's the thing that people kind of have backwards where they're chasing, okay, well, I'll keep doing it if I get a lot of views or if a lot of people download this song or if a lot of people tell me I'm good at singing. But even then, no matter how many people say that to you, it doesn't actually seep in. You don't. It doesn't change anything about how you feel about yourself. And so you really do have to go inward before you can go outward. That's what I found yeah. in my experience. Same. I found that like, it's just not enough because then if I'm not getting, even if one person's like, oh yeah, it's a good song. I'm like, well, last time you said yeah. it was the best song I've ever written. <laughs> and so clearly I'm going downhill. Like you become like so starving for other people's validations yes. that it's like, you don't even have, especially with like creative work, like you don't even really have that relationship with yourself and your own creativity again. Like I found that I was mm. unable to make like executive decisions around what songs I wanted to release, et cetera. Mm. Cause I was always like, okay, like I gotta run this past like 17 people and get like green light roses mm-hmm. validation. <laughs> and yeah. Order to be, like, worthy. Yeah. yeah. So seeking validation, I really, I really do believe just completely stalls authentic creation because authentic creation, playful creation, childlike creation, it doesn't try to prove anything. It's just, yes. it's just magic. It's just creativity for the sake of creating. And so I already know that I have deep work to do with someone when they come and they're like, I want this result. And I'm like, well, we have lots (laughs) of things to undo because, right, the joy is just getting to do the thing. The result is just the byproduct that gets to be enjoyed by and through you, but it's not the end goal. Like you said, it's not the means to an end that we're focused on. But yeah, falling in love with the process, loving the fact that we get to write these songs, pick these songs. You know, I always use Taylor Swift as an example, and I'm sure you're a huge fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I haven't even told you yet, Gina. I just got tickets to go (gasps) and see her. You manifested that. I manifested that. I'm flying back home to Nashville to see her. Oh, my gosh. So really exciting moment. I haven't told anyone yet. It was a gift to me for my birthday. I love that. But um, when I see her being herself, you know, she's obviously financially wealthy. I think she's set to become a billionaire after this tour. But when I look at everything she's doing, all I can think is she's just having a freaking blast. Like, 
she just loves songwriting, coming up with the concepts for these albums. Like now she's stepping into directing these music videos. I really just see her playing in her own energy. Yes. Like this is not like, oh, will the fans love this? Because she's done a lot of questionable things that the fans are like, whoa, what is, what is this? What is, what is reputation? Like, oh, oh, now she's going into pop. She's like, this is just what I want to do. And like, if you, mm-hmm. if you fuck with it, like, listen, if you don't, like, okay. And I really see her as being just a very creative, playful being. And, um, that is what's so magnetic about it. It's not music that's trying to prove anything. It's just so authentically her and mm-hmm. no one can recreate it, right? No. And you wouldn't want to. Like you want to be your own creative vessel. And so I, yeah, I see that for you too. Like you just tapping into your own energy and just creating from there authentically, not needing to prove through Spotify streams, like how good your song is. Your song is good because it came from you. Yeah. Mm. And from the joy of it too. Like I'm always like, okay, if this song never reaches the light of day, if I never even publish it, like how much did I love writing it, being in the studio, working with it, like allowing the energy to come to be. But I had, um, I had some ego around the music the first year. And yeah, it was about the Spotify. And I was like, is this even fun anymore? Right. Cause like I enjoyed writing the song, but now that it's like a release day, I'm just mm-hmm. obsessively refreshing my Spotify for artists page to see the number of streams. And I'm so anxious and I'm so like annoyed if I don't think enough people shared it. Like it, it was, it was a mess. And I had to have like a major like values reassessment where I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is not fun. <laughs> like, there's well, got to be a more productive use of my time. Totally. Cause again, if you go back to that child example, it would be like, if I told my daughter, yeah. okay, like you're going to draw something and every Every two hours, we're going to check to see how many people liked it. Yeah. And then it's like, but she just made it because she's fun. And kids are so, like, I just love watching her because she's so in the moment. She's so present. And I remember the other day, something made her upset in the morning. And then I asked her after school, like, were you okay? And she goes, yeah, like, I just ended up ha- having fun. And then I forgot about it. And I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. Like, we need to be more like that. Because normally something bad happens in the morning and we're talking about it to everyone under the sun mm-hmm. for the next, like, three days. But kids are just so in the moment. So I have been trying so hard to embody more of that childlike energy. And, you know, in terms of business, um, the clients that I've ever coached with when it comes to business, one of the biggest missing ingredients is fun. Mm. Like so many business owners hate their business. And I'm like, didn't you own your own business so that you could be your own boss and so you could have fun? And now you just became the boss you had and you just stepped into a job you also hate. And it's just so funny how so many people forget to have fun. And even in the creative process, it's like, can, are you enjoying this now? Or does it just feel more like something you have to do? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's That's huge. Yeah, I love the uh, idea of connecting more with the funness. And think about it. If I were to be judged every two hours on like the thing I created, whether it's my song or my my art, whatever, naturally I would want to stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's what happens to people is they want to do something from the heart, right? But then they go into the mind, the ego, which starts judging it, needing validation from it. And then that gets so stressful. Like you were talking about, Haley, now you're like anxious and you're like, is this even fun anymore? And like your, your inner child is like, this is like not the point. And I don't like this. I don't like being judged. I just want to create like, and you're making me feel bad about like what I'm creating. And so then like the creativity mm. also shuts down. Yes. Yeah. It absolutely does. Because it's like, well, the creativity only leads me to a place where I'm desperate for validation. <laughs> yes. So, oh. the, the, re, the rewriting of that, which I think just like a simple value shift of like, a, okay, what am I actually doing this for? That's just been very, very helpful for me um, mm. with the music. I mean, obviously that's been a recent one for me, but I've just been like, I don't care anymore about the number of streams. I'm not going to check. 
how many streams I get, whatever is going on on Spotify, like that does not matter. What matters more is when I get a message from somebody saying that the song helped them in some way or validated something or mm. even even that, I could even pull it back even more. Like even if nobody, you know, messages that they love the song or that yeah. it helped them in some way, like I had the time of my life writing this song and in the studio mm. creating it. And that's mm. the joy. That actually was what fueled the birth of this podcast because oh. for a long time, you we were like, oh, like, I don't know, like, would it make sense to do it? Like, do we have time? Like, who's going to listen? And then we were like, wait, we we like talking to each other anyways. Like, we're going <laughs> to do this anyways on the phone. Like, why don't we just do it on video and audio? Like, we're already doing it. It brings us so much joy. And literally, that was our framework was even if no one listens, now we have these to listen back to in like 20 years. Yes. Totally. And it yeah. wasn't about who listens, who streams, who favorites, who shares. And frankly, I don't I don't know the numbers of this podcast. Have, have you checked them, we, we That's the thing. Like, we check them sometimes, but it just, it doesn't even matter. Even if we, we're number one, it, that, that's that not what matter. makes this fun, right? And um, I, it really is just enjoying the process because, I mean, honestly, even how this podcast was born, we just like hit the record button one day. And after we were like, what do we do now? Because um, we were just so in the season of having fun. But if this was a business in my mind, I wouldn't even have started the recording because I would have said, we need to figure oh, out perfect all the strategy. steps. Yes, we need the strategy. But we just focused on on having fun and just enjoying the process and doing what feels right for us. And I think it's just, we're also programmed not to do that, which is obviously the work. Yeah. I mean, how many times like I've had to ask my clients things like, when was the last time you did something just for the fun of doing something? And they have to think for a very long time. They're like, uh, like six months ago. Yeah. I, I'm like, what? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like ev everyone's like doing something for something. Everything is a yeah. means to win. And it's like, oh, I got to work to make this money. And I, I got to do this in order to get to this. And it's like, when did you just do something be because you wanted to? Mm -hmm. And when you can create a life and a business that is just composed of those things, like for you, Haley, like you love creating content or for the fun of it, you love writing music for the fun of it. That's when like your life just becomes absolutely magnetic. And people can feel that from you. I know they mm -hmm. can. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I hope so. Yeah, I hope to exude that as like a form of inspiration. And something else I've been thinking about a lot lately, too, is like I used to value my life according to, as I've talked about, like achievements and accomplishments and how close I was to certain goals. And mm -hmm. I've had a lot of moments lately where it's just been like a cup of coffee and a good book. And I just yes. want to run or even today it was raining. Um earlier. And so I made like a really nice frothy Nespresso and I sat down with my stuffed animal. He's a dog named Chester. Chester. Oh my Chester. God, I love that. I've been following along yes. with Chester's updates. <laughs> He's so cute. I can't handle it. And I just like sat down. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read my Wayne Dyer book. And Chester and I are snuggled on the couch and it's raining and I'm drinking this coffee. And I'm like, oh my God, life is so good. Yeah. Like oh, this is like, rich. Yes, for so many years, I would have been like, well, this is not enough. Let me check in on, you know, like yes. what's going on outside of me or how close I am. And I, let me hustle harder. And um, I don't know. I just feel like life has just been so much better because I'm just because like the coffee was always there. Maybe Chester wasn't yeah, always totally. there, but like good books <laughs> are always there. But it's like my new awareness around like, wow, I like love life right now. And I never mm. allowed that for myself before. And now life just feels like better than ever. And it's like a, it's not like a, ooh, this is a good main character moment to pretend that I'm happy as I'm having my coffee and staring out at the city. But like, <laughs> it's like a genuine, like, wow, life is supposed to be about these little moments. It's not just about yes. like achieving the top of Mount Everest and, and the, these like arbitrary goals that I've set in my head because I've also reached those goals. And honestly, the, fe the feeling 
of today, having my coffee with a Chester, looking out of the city as it rained, is the same euphoria, if not even more so than the times I hit like 400K on TikTok. And that was 100%. a big goal of mine or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's like what you guys said when you, I've listened to your Abraham Hicks podcast so many oh, times. So good. <laughs> when you guys, you guys went to that workshop and now I'm trying to go to. Um, let's all meet oh, up. We should go oh, together. Let's do it. Wait, oh. do you guys want to go to the Miami one? Wait, when, when is, is it? it? It's in December. Yes, we can go. Okay. We'll yeah. convene. We'll, we'll convene. convene. Yes. yes. Do okay, you want to form you an alliance yes. with me? I'm yes. to form an alliance and let's book flights right now. Okay. We can oh imagine me in the podcast episode right here. We're like, okay, go We're like, this is the end. Go, like, this is the end. <laughs> Time to book. Delta.com. Here we come. Um, oh anyways, my God. What you guys shared that they had said, and obviously I'd heard it before, but the way you guys talked about it was like, whew, so good. Um, was like, you want the things you want for the feeling. Yes. And I have always before been like, I don't, maybe I don't even care about the feeling. I just want the thing because of what it will mean about me or mean about my life. Like, oh, it's so stupid. Like, so that you can get the feeling though, right? Because yes, yes, yes. that's so true. Yours, yes, 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 yes. I love when they yeah, kept going, but that. It is what you want. That is what you want. Remember, yeah. she just kept saying that over and over. I love that. Yeah, I think that, um, again, just even being a mom, like my daughter, my favorite moments with her are not like when it's her big birthday party or when she's gotten a straight A on something. That's not my favorite part. Like some of my favorite moments are honestly when we're driving in the car and she doesn't know I'm looking at her. Oh my God. No, honestly. And she'll just be in her own little world. And she's just looking out the window where she'll be singing a song. And she's, she's also a singer songwriter. Um, And so she'll just be back there and she's like so in it. And she'll be like singing the song with all this emotion. And I'm just like peeking at her through the rear view. And I'm like, these are the moments that I want to remember. Not the moment where she's on stage and, you know, and so it reminds me of me, like, what are the moments and feelings that I want to remember about my own life? It's not when I hit certain milestones, but yeah, like, who was I in the process and how did I feel in the process? And now I can honestly say that I really do, another Abraham Hicks thing is I really do love Mm -hmm. myself no matter what. And I think that's a really new thing. I used to not be okay with failure. I was like, nope, not an option. Whereas yeah. now I'm like totally an option and it's going to happen and that's okay. And I actually almost love myself more when I fail, just like with kids, like when they fall or when they have a bad day, it's like you almost love on them more. But I think yeah. with our own inner children, that's kind of where we turn away the most, but that's when we need that unconditional love the most. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll also say like with this whole mindset around it just being the feeling that gives it us permission for every single day to be the best day ever. Mm. And I think a lot of us spend our lives like, wait, you know, waiting for whatever it is that we're trying <sighs> yes. to manifest or for it to come in or for a vacation to get here, or whatever. And lately I've just every morning been like, you know what? Today it gets to be the best day ever. Mm. Um, yes. And then what's up to me because maybe I have my trusty steeds like coffee and Chester to make sure I get there (laughs) emotionally. But still, it's like those little things. Like that's how I can, like it consistently gives me happiness. Like I can close my eyes, go within and do that meditation that always, you know, gets me, gets my heart racing because I get so excited and I feel so connected Mm. to everything. Like that is something that I know that I can always consistently rely on to make today the best day ever. And after that, anything else that happens, it's like, it's just extra. Bonus. Very on top. Yeah. 
Mm. 100%. Yeah, I remember one of the very first things I ever questioned about society was people looking forward to the weekend. I was like, right. why do we have to only be happy like two days a week? That makes no mm-hmm. sense. Like, and people would be like, oh, why are you so happy? And I'd be like, it's Tuesday. And they'd be like, <laughs> and I'm like, one of the equivalent days of the week. Not, yes. less, not less exciting than a Saturday or a Sunday. Yes. Um, so yeah, I love that you said that every day gets to be the best day because that really is within our power. Like we get to mm-hmm. determine that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also funny because I actually feel like well, I should be impartial, but I feel like I like weekends the least. Because Interesting. Yeah. During, during the week, I'm like, woo! I'm like, you know, working with clients. I'm doing all like, you know, I'm like doing most of my work. So it's actually funny. Like, um, I'm kind of the inverse of that now. Too. Yeah, the yeah, weekends you, you love like, what you do. Going on? Like, and yeah. it's yeah. like busy oh, everywhere you go. Knows, you're like, yeah. what is going on here? Like, I'm like, why is this coffee shop packed? And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Oh, yeah, it's Saturday. That's so funny. funny. I'm curious to know, because I know that for me, since doing a lot of this work and just learning so much about manifestation, I kind of almost am in a season where I don't really feel like I'm manifesting anything anymore because Mm -hmm. I think I'm just always so happy in the present moment and loving the present moment that, I don't know, I'm not specifically trying to manifest anything. I think it's more trying to generate more of the feelings that I desire, right? Like more joy or or feeling deeper into abundance or feeling more unconditional love for myself. So do you go through seasons personally of heavy manifestation or I'm curious to know where you're at now with that? Yeah, that's a really good question because again, maybe it's because my Jupiter is in Capricorn. And so it Mm, nothing gets me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, like around my goals. And I feel like nothing gets me going more than having a big goal. Mm. But again, I've had to figure out that interim of like, it's not a I won't be happy till I have this goal. It's just like, wow, it's so fun to have a goal and to be working towards it. Like, for example, this was just a minor thing this weekend, but like lately I've become obsessed with Miami. Okay. And so I was like looking at condos in Miami, and there was one, it was like the penthouse of the one hotel. $25 $25 million. Okay. So oh, is that I all? see it and I see the picture. Yeah. I'm like, oh, easy. <laughs> so I see the picture. <laughs> it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I feel this like huge surge of motivation. Like, wow, that needs to be my goal. And it like got me really, really, really excited. And I was able to have this moment where I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, obviously I'm extremely far off from that right now, but like just the excitement of the goal Mm. is enough because it reminds, like, even it's like when you close your eyes and you visualize something you really want for the future, you still get the feeling right now. Totally. And that gets to be like fun and playful. Like when I was a kid, I would do make believe all the time. Like I lived in my head and in my imagination, I was always on stage like Miley Cyrus and very Leo in my <laughs> in my visualizations. But I felt the feeling, and it was so yes. much fun. And so I've kind of allowed it to be like, wow, I can like look towards these goals as something that feels really exciting when I visualize and imagine it, and something that motivates me. But at the same time, I'm prioritizing my happiness today over that, and that mm. is something that makes me feel happy today as yes. I visualize it and as I know I'm working towards it. And it's so fun to think about, but I'm not like delaying my happiness and attaching it to this like timeline of when I get that thing. Mm. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah. The the author of Happy Pocket Full of Money, which I know you are a fan of. It's I one of my favorite book. books as well. But he says like you, sh- you should always have a goal that is not close to reaching basically. Like you mm-hmm. should have 5,000 goals, right? Because yes. the point is not to reach the goal and then be like, okay, finally, I've got all the goals. It's like, these are just 
like basically signposts. It's like, just go that way and like follow your highest excitement, experience the joy of being you on the way to that. And I just feel like you are really and truly such an embodiment of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think it's, I mean, like with the Happy Pocket Full of Money book, when he says to write down all those wishes, like I came up with this little exercise based off that called 111 wishes that I had people start doing on 1111 in 2020. So now we've just done mm. it for two years. Well, what? Okay. So it was three years, 2020, 2021, and 2022. And it's just so much fun to allow yourself to write down things that you want that maybe you hadn't even allowed yourself to want before. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not for the sake of like creating all this wanting energy, but like a, whoa, there's so much available for me to experience in this lifetime. And let me really like own all the things that pique my interest. Like back in 2020, when I was doing that list, I actually wrote down on that. It was like towards the very end, but that's when I wrote down, I want to get back into writing songs and record my own songs in the studio. And Mm. I would have never written that down if I hadn't given myself that space. Like it was literally number like a hundred one. Like I was almost (laughs) towards the end of my list and I finally wrote it down, but it was like, I think the desire, desire can be such like a fun part of life. Like the the imagination, the like looking at what else is out there. And my, like I, I'm so driven by my vision of the future too. And that's what so part of what can make the right now so fun. It's just like what yes. Tony Robbins says about like humans are happiest when they're making progress. You kind of have to have mm. that goalpost and that benchmark in the future of like this amazing future you're excited about in order to feel excited about making progress now. Mm. Obviously I do think it's about like pulling, pulling that, like the good feeling emotion from the future into the now moments. So you're not delaying it. Um, as I said, but it's still really fun and powerful to be dancing amongst your wants and desires. Yeah. Tony Robbins also talks about um, how you shouldn't be like pushing yourself towards a goal, but you have such an exciting goal that it compels you and pulls you towards it. So that reminds me of that a lot too. And um, I love asking myself the question, how good can it get? Because sometimes I just, then I'm like, oh my gosh, there's literally infinite possibilities. And sometimes just starting to think about all the different ways that it can unfold. Because even Sam and I, our last episode we just released yesterday was about how we met. And I could never have planned the perfection in the orchestration of our meeting and even just how our relationship unfolded. And thank goodness I couldn't have gotten in the Mm -hmm. way of that because yeah, like I couldn't have even conceived that this person would exist in my life. And so that always gets me really excited because I'm like, what else do I not know is coming? Mm, yeah, wow. I'm a huge fan of surprises. I'm, I don't, I know that some people aren't. Like my partner is like, no, I don't like that. Like, where are we going? <laughs> but I, it's funny because Gina and him will both ask me like, do you want to be surprised or do you want me to tell you? And I'm like, surprised, obviously. Like, I do not want to know anything. I want to have a blindfold. And I r- try to take that approach with the co-creation and the universe because I'm just like, yeah. I don't I don't need to know. Just like, let it be better than what I can imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, something yeah. that I like to do is at the end of, well, I like to say, I like to do it at the end of each day, but sometimes I forget, but I'll look back over the day and I'll be like, what were some of today's magic moments that I didn't see coming? And you think about, like, oh, my God, my friend sent me that funny video. I didn't see that coming. Or I didn't know that I was going to end up going to lunch. I thought I was going to spend the whole day at home. And then we went out to lunch and I had the most divine crisp Caesar salad. Like, you think about all the things that at the beginning of the day, you there's you couldn't have seen it coming. Like, you had one idea in your yes. head of what the day had, had on the calendar or whatever. But every day has a little there were little magical surprises, like things you yes. couldn't see coming. And so that that helps me a lot too because sometimes I'll wake up in the morning 
feeling weird pessimism or dread. I won't even know where it's coming from. I'll be like, mm-hmm. what the heck? Okay. And so I'll do a little, a little morning tapping, but then I'll just remind myself like tonight there will be things that I look back on that happened throughout today that I can't see coming right now, but little moments of peace, joy, inspiration, laughter, humor. Like there's always mm. little surprises that are coming. And mm. for a while I started to journal on those and I need to get back into that. But like journaling on it at the end of each day, like here are things I didn't see coming today that actually ended up being really fun or special or just like I'm, felt better than I thought they were going to feel. I'm going to steal that. I really like that. That reminds me again, we actually said this in the Abraham episode, um, the details are best enjoyed as they happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like you can plan like what I'm going to do in 2023, like what's going to happen this month, but you won't actually be able to experience the fullness of that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, what song is playing in the background while you're there, like the outfit that Mm -hmm. you're wearing, like what your friend says from across the table. It's like all of that can only be enjoyed as it's happening. Like when you're watching a movie, like you can't know what happens in the scene until you're watching that scene. And that just makes me super excited. (laughs) Yeah, we we all have so much to look forward to, everyone. (sighs) everyone. The best is yet to come. Yes. Well, Haley, you are obviously a listener of our podcast. I think you might be the first one to know that we're going to ask you this question, which is really exciting. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll hear the answer that comes to mind um, authentically and um, in this moment. But um, as you know, as the Spiraling Higher podcast, we are often curious to know what our hosts have had to consistently spiral through. What are the lessons, the moments of contrast and pain that they've had to kind of come back to time and time and again um, in order to really step into their most embodied authentic self? Mm. Yeah. So for me, a big one has been consistency and the sense of like believing that as things are good, that they get to stay good and get Mm. better. Wow. Kind of like the other shoe is going to drop type of like no wonder like um gay Hendrick's book the upper yeah the big yeah. leap and the upper limit problem it's like a lo- along those lines like when I start doing something consistently um that I've always been wanting to do like I've been working out for example this day was my 114th day of consistent consecutive workouts like Whoa. I really wow. had to make sure I'm providing consistency within myself because my fear was always that something would be inconsistent or that I would start to rely on something and it would fall through mm. but I'm I'm hitting that on like new levels like there's I don't think you'll ever reach a point where you're like ever healed from that, right? Like I've been totally. experiencing it in different ways, like experiencing it financially with career success, with relationships, with friendships. Um, but finding the consistency within myself, building that home within myself and my connection to the universe and the things that I know make me feel good. And also like believing that I can make it through anything and that everything is always happening for me has yes. helped me trust life. Like, honestly, I think that's what it comes down to. Like I yes. trust myself. I trust life. I trust the universe that like, I will always be provided for things are always going to get better and better. And it's safe to like relax into that trust. I don't have to be like always looking out or always like motivating and pushing myself through things. Like it, it can be just like, okay, I relax. I release, I surrender. Mm. That's so beautiful. It's like you, you're actually allowing yourself to just plant the seed and like, let it grow not checking and wrecking constantly yes. is what I call it. Like I'm like digging up the soil, making sure like, is, is it blossoming? Like, is, is it taking root? It's like, yeah, just, just keep watering it. And it's fine. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Yeah. And oh yeah. And so I like, I like that metaphor too, like trusting that the water, the sunlight, the oxygen mm-hmm. will always be there for everything that I'm planting and that like, it's always going to be okay. Like everything's going to be okay. Mm. Everything is always working out for us. I love yes. that. Thank you so much for coming on. You have been such a bright light. 
to celebrate with us for Sam's birthday. Oh. It has been so exciting. Um, where can everybody find you? Maybe you can do your your thing and maybe your most recent song that you've released. I would love to hear. Ooh, yes. Oh, sure. Yeah, you guys can um, jam too. I, I just released a, a dance party remix of my song, I Can't Stop Myself. I heard it. So that one's fun to like work out to or have a dance party too. But yeah, you can find me, Haley Hoffman Smith, on Instagram and TikTok. I have a podcast called Big Conversations. And then all of like my tapping programs and everything I offer is on my website, HaleyHoffmanSmith.com. Perfect. We'll have Amazing. everything linked in the I show I know everyone's going to be just like running over to you because you've just been such a ball of light. And really, like I said earlier, you are just the embodiment to me of the feeling is the secret. And so yes. I hope that people after listening to this feel that they have permission to make today the best day. Ooh. Oh, so good. Say that. Yeah. Yes, totally. Yeah. Thank oh. you for coming on. And we can't wait Thank to reconnect in the me. future. I can't wait. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like-minded people on their healing journey. Here's to spiraling higher.